is Bill Lytell again, pastor of Gospel Baptist Church. This is my Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, if you haven't ever been to a Wednesday night Bible study, give it a shot if you're in our area. Uh, it's at 7 o'clock every Wednesday when, we, when we're meeting, and so we'll have a good time together. We have about a half hour, 25 minutes of Bible study. Has some uh, beautiful music, prayer requests, um, be able to give your prayer requests. We also have a prayer request sheet. You can call into the office, put your prayer request in, and uh, our secretary, Wendy, would love, love to put it on there for you, and so we can pray for you. I spoke last week about Revelation chapter 4 and 5 kind of together as a package. I missed a section purposefully on uh, Revelation chapter 5. I believe these two parenthetical chapters, chapter 4 and chapter 5, uh, represent the time of the rapture. Come up hither, mentioned twice in, in the book, both of the two witnesses as they came up and were resurrected, as well as here to John, seems to indicate and would go along with the timetable of the rapture. So hopefully, uh, by the grace of God, uh, we will be able to get some more goodies out of this chapter 5. I want to go through a little more detail. Revelation chapter 5, you have your Bibles, you want to look in it. And I saw the right, a right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither look thereupon. If I may first say that <clears throat> there's no human being as good as a human may become in their own self-righteousness, according to the Bible, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags with God. And so the most uh, discouraging thing I hear people say over and over again is how uh, they they are bragging about their own goodness. You know, I I've never killed anybody, or I've never I've had people say I've never broken the Ten Commandments. This is just unbelievable. They have absolute ignorance about how how dirty they are before God, and how how guilty they are before God. Uh, someday they'll answer to him. The Bible says, none righteous, no, not one. There's none understandeth, and none that seeketh after God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And with that in mind, we, we the Bible agrees with itself again, and no man in heaven nor on earth under the earth. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? No man in the earth under the earth. There are people under the earth. Where is hell? That's a question been asked me. According to the Bible, hell is in the middle or in, under the earth, under the surface of the earth. The Bible always speaks of going down into the abyss, a place of darkness, uh, where, where some angels that, that trespassed against God exceptionally are held. And also, I believe that's where the place uh, of Hades is in the Bible that we, we learn from Luke 16. The rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. He was he died, and the, the Lazarus, the poor guy, was buried. But the rich man, he we found himself in a place of torment, separated by a big gulf in between them. That seems to be everywhere in the Bible indicated that it's in the earth. The Bible again 
agrees with itself about being under the earth. Well, that's pretty sharp. You can trust the book. And no man even under the earth was able to open the book, neither look thereupon. Couldn't even look on it. Couldn't even look on the righteousness of God because of the sin uh, that they had. And, he, and I interesting statement here in verse 4. It says, and I wept much. <clears throat> what does that mean? I think sometimes we get the idea that after death there's no weeping, no pain, no sorrow, because of the statement in Scripture that eventually God will wipe away every tear uh, from our eyes as born-again believers. And now he doesn't say that to the unsaved people. He says that to born-again believers, the unsaved folks. Oh, my, my, my soul. Uh, they're going to someday have to answer for the deeds done the body, uh, sin, the sins done in the body, and they're going to be found guilty, and they're going to have to be judged for those sins in a place called the lake of fire, uh, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And I can't say enough about the loneliness of that place, and the darkness of that place, and the desperation of that place, and the hopelessness of that place. And if I may say the remembrance that you you could have avoided that place. One of the harder things maybe about hell will be you knew you could have avoided it. How many times had you heard the gospel? How many gospel tracts had ever been given to you? How many times has somebody tried to talk to you about Jesus and you cut them off? You could have avoided the place, but you didn't. Eventually died. Whether you liked it or not, from that point on, your free will is gone. After death, your free will is gone. God gives even the sinner, and myself being a sinner, saying saved by grace, we had a certain freedom, freedom of choice, freedom of movement, freedom of decision-making. All of that will be gone after death. That's, that's over. And uh, you're going to be shocked, oh dear one, if you miss heaven, that there, the tears will not cease. The mourning will not cease. Jesus said there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in this place called hell. I can't say how, how much I want you to be saved. I spent pretty much my all, whole adult life, 50 years of my 68 years on this earth, uh, warning people, uh, dedicating myself, focusing myself, on learning the Bible, on being a witness, on encouraging others to carry gospel tracts and leave them everywhere, on, on being door-to-door, -door, an advocate of door-to-door -door and house-to-house, -house, and an advocate of the bus ministry, advocate of going to nursing homes and helping them poor souls on the edge of eternity, and an advocate of just being a personal witness, a discipler of your neighbors, praying for folks, praying for your neighbors, praying for your relatives. I've got a relative I've prayed for now, coming right up on 50 years, hasn't been saved. I prayed for my mother-in-law. I'm thinking we prayed uh, at least 40 plus years for my mother-in-law, and she finally uh, was able to come down here and stay with me for a while, came to church, got born again, got saved. Glory to God, hallelujah, amen. There is a God in heaven. He said, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither even to look upon. <clears throat> and one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Weep not. 
Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, that prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Glory. The wrath, the seven seals loosed by the Lord Jesus Christ is his wrath. You know, the Bible says that people are treasuring up for themselves wrath against the day of wrath. In other words, they, they just go ahead and sin and abandon God, abandon the church, abandon the Bible, mock it, don't believe it. What they're doing is treasuring up for themselves day by day by day, treasuring up for themselves wrath against the day of wrath. And someday they'll have to answer for And he's going to loose that dam of God's wrath has been getting fuller and fuller of the wrath of God. The dam is about ready to break. Right here in chapter 5, the dam is ready to break. And the lamb who gave himself for us, it's apropos that the lamb is the one that is the loose the seals thereof. The lamb who died to keep these people uh, from the wrath of, upon sin, who gave himself, came uh, as a servant to save us, that one is apropos that he's the one that loses the seal. He releases the wrath of Almighty God upon the sin of man, the mocking of man, the ungodly speeches of man on this world. Wow. He releases him. He releases it here. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and the four beasts in the midst of the elders, I stood a lamb that has been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. We talked about that last week. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four twenty elders fell down before the lamb. We talked about that about the 12 and 12, best we be in Israel as well as the church, representation of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And so everyone had harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayer of the saints. Wow. Wow. The prayer of the saints. Think about that, dear one. The prayer of the saints. You pray, I pray, and we wonder sometimes, is these prayers going anywhere? I mean, is anything going on? Yes, God's storing your prayers to him. He is storing them for you. He is, uh, the Bible says, talking about taking our tears and keeping them in a bottle in the, in the Psalms. But he's keeping your prayers, and it's a sweet-smelling savor. The Bible says in, in Proverbs that the prayer that, of, of the born-again believer is a delight unto the Lord. I preach a sermon, how to, how to delight God. One way to delight God is, is to pray. Pray in the morning, pray in the afternoon, pray in the evening, pray where you walk, pray when you run, pray when you work, pray when you do the dishes, pray when you do the laundry, pray when you sweep the house, pray when you exercise, pray, ask God, talk to him, fellowship with him. Woo, it's good. So we have it here, and um, the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to, make, to take the book, and open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, by thy blood of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. That's encouraging to me. You know, they call it the 10, 1040 window about all these languages. It's been said that some 1,240 languages have not been reached yet. 
Well, I think that the, through the internet, that's over. I think by the grace of God, the world is being reached through the internet. Who would have guessed? No missionary I ever know would have guessed. We've sent people out for all these years, but we still haven't gotten into every place, every nook and cranny in the world. But the internet is literally in every little nook and cranny in the world. People, I went to Haiti, the poorest nation in this uh, two hemispheres, and everybody you look at has got a cell phone. There's cell phone towers everywhere. They don't have two pairs of clothes. They live in mud shacks, a lot of them folks. Don't have enough to eat. They got a cell phone. That means they have connection with the entire world. That means they can type in the gospel, and it'll come up in their own language. And so people can hear, by the grace of God, may it be so. And he made and, and listen to what these folks say, and have made us, uh, us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. I'm not worthy to reign anywhere. I'm not worthy to even be saved. I'm saved by absolute and total grace. So are you. But it says, this is God's will, that we are rulers. There is found first Peter chapter two, verse nine also. There were a royal priesthood, and I go, wow. People, uh, people want, for some reason, people want to be part of royalty. I, I have never understood it. Uh, these people that say they've lived uh, before in another life and all that, and which is, uh, of course, a lie, they always came from, uh, I noticed they always came from royalty. They always came from, like, uh, Egyptian royalty. <laughs> and I always tell people, I don't go back and look at our ancestry because we probably came from old junkyard dogs, and a little bit I've known about it, I really don't want to know anymore, because my history isn't what counts, my future is what counts. It's not how I started out, it's how I end that counts, and it's how you end that counts. And he's made us a kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Well, that's just the will of God. That's just the way it's going to be. And beheld, and I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne, the beasts, and the elders, Number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. I said last week, hundreds of million. They said, worthy is the land to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I believe these, I said last week, are seven attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. People seek this stuff. Man, they seek those seven things, but they aren't going to find them. And you're not going to find them seeking them. You're going to find them by following Jesus Christ, dying to yourself, die daily, crucify the flesh, and trust him one day at a time by the grace of God. And every creature which is in heaven, earth, and under the earth, and that were in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne. I believe the animals, by the way, are talking too. At that time, you're seeing animals talk. And uh, you got here, and it says, under the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts, and they said, amen. The four and twenty elders fell down, worship that liveth forever and ever. Well, we're going to have a good time in heaven, ain't we? Ain't going to have a good, have a good time in heaven. Your time in heaven, however, is being determined in some degree by your faithfulness to Jesus Christ now. Your enthusiasm for Jesus now, your work for Jesus now will be translated into rewards in heaven. And we don't work for reward. Jesus... <laughs> We don't work for reward. We work because love constrains us. Love is what pushes us. Love is what makes us do what we do because we love God and we love the Lord Jesus who gave himself for us. And consequently, his because the Holy Spirit indwelling, 
we now have the love of God living in us because God is love. He doesn't, con- he doesn't possess it. He is it. And he now motivates us and, 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 and propels us, if I may say, to love other people. Now, if you're cold about the loss, if you're cold about your neighbor being lost, if you're cold about the world being lost, if you're cold about missions, if you don't give the missions and you don't, and you don't give time, talent, and treasure to missions, and you don't give time, talent, or treasure to your local church, whose who's center, Bible-believing, fundamental uh, local church, whose center purpose is to see people born from above, to disciple them, to, to help missionaries get on the field, to go in every avenue possible to lost people, and disseminate the word of God and get it to them before they before they uh, go to hell, before they have to answer to God for their own sin. If you don't have compassion about that, if that meaning is meaningless to you, or or it's way low on your priority list, I'm, I say with with authority that you are backslidden. You do not have the spirit of. You may have the spirit of God, but you have quenched the spirit of God, and you have grieved the spirit of God. Because if you have the spirit of God. He's going to do those things in you. Why? The very heartbeat of the Bible is the gospel. Jesus didn't come so that they wouldn't hear. He came so they'd hear. It doesn't do any good for a lost person if they're, if they're lost and don't hear the gospel. Jesus came. It doesn't do any good all that pain and suffering that the Lord Jesus did in coming and taking upon him the form of a servant made in the likeness of man, being found in a man. Being found as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It doesn't do any good for Jesus to do that if we don't take what he did uh, as being uh, vessels of that, uh, treasuries of that, earthen vessels of that, and go out and say, hey, folks, people, Jesus saves. You say, they, they may treat me bad. They treated Jesus badly. You say, they may mock me. They mock Jesus. Well, they may physically do me harm. They did Jesus harm. He says a servant is no greater than his master. He's already told you that in the world you're going to have persecution if you live godly. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have some trouble. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so we can just trust him. We can love on him. We can serve him. And there's no greater life than to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no better way. There's no better way of living. I've seen people come and go. I'm down the road far enough. I've seen them have every toy you can imagine. Most most disturbed, most unhappy, most miserable group of people there are who those folks have everything they want, anything they want, they, they put their hand on, and not having the Lord Jesus Christ as their honest, personal Savior. And if I may say it this way, Lord too. Lord meaning they've dedicated themselves after they got saved due to they recognize the love of God they want to serve God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. Well, this fifth chapter is fabulous. This fourth chapter is fabulous. The parenthetical, seen in heaven. John is, John is on this old Isle of Patmos. He gets these seven church revelations of the seven churches, which I think are types of churches that are probably present in the world today. And he gets them, and he, and, he, and he says he's seven. At the end of each one of them, it has seven overcomers. He that overcometh, he that overcometh. You look that up. It's an interesting study. And he gets done with all that, and, and a voice says, come up hither. John, come up hither. And man, what John gets to see. Now, of course, he wept much. He wept much because nobody was open to work. But then after the lamb came and opened that book, then the weeping was over. 
Brother and sister in Christ, let me encourage you, the weeping time has an end. And the weeping time, though, it can be radically big. You lose your loved ones. You lose your family members. Ultimately, everybody around you is going to die uh, if you don't die ahead of them. And you got to say goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And it's no fun to say goodbye. It's hard to say goodbye to people. And I get, I'm, I'll be honest as a preacher, man, I get weary of going to funerals. But I always tell them a funeral for a born-again believer, even though it's a goodbye, it's a celebration of hello to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello to heaven. Amen. So I'll be looking forward when we can meet together again. I want that to be sooner rather than later. Pray that our government has wisdom. Pray that this crisis brings people closer to God. Pray that the power of God may be poured out upon us. The Holy Spirit of God will be easily worked through us. And the power of this earth will be shaken. And the folks of God will turn upward rather than downward like they've been. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening this few minutes and studying 4 and 5. Now, next Wednesday. Woo! I can't wait. I almost wanted to do it today. Uh, I'm going to talk about chapter 6. There's something in chapter 6. We learned something from the Bible that only God could teach us what happens after death. How are you? What form are you? Are you cognizant after death? What goes on after death? I'm going to talk about that right out of chapter 6, Revelations, clear as crystal. And may the Lord help us as we study that coming up this next Wednesday. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.